Welcome to episode 556 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 567 of I Am Talk with Coach John Jason Pivot James Oz. How you go, mate? I'm a hell of a lot colder than what you are, I think. Yeah, Joe, Joe said it's been bloody freezing back home. <laughs> it's pretty bad, is it? It's it's chilly on the willy. Chilly <laughs> on the willy. Well, we'll talk about willies, John. Over, over in Taipei, they have great toilets. They have the, the water toilets, I have to say. They, <laughs> I'm not sure about so much about the willy, but why don't New Zealanders have better toilets? Don't know, Evan. Don't know. You just feel cleaner, John. That's what I'm going to say. Nice. I'm talking proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And it's the name of you, John. Sarah, Agent Smackdown Sutherland. Uh, Llewellyn Hartley, The Anvil. Parker Barney Day. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Uh, Eric Burnley, and it's Icy. And Eric, Robert, Icy Burnley. Uh, uh, Robert Cuddles Evans. Nice week, guys. If you want to become a patron of the show, go dub dub dub. I am talk top me. And it's all very clear on the website. John, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. Statistic, high five, app of the week. My first try, wanger of the week. Jeepers, traditional we'll show this one. And questions and answers at the end. Well, I figured that because we're not going to have too many. The next little period is going to be lots of interviews and what have you. So I thought we'll finish off with a bit of a traditional show. Yeah, because John and I, I'm heading overseas in a couple of weeks and John's heading to Hawaii next week, is it? Um, Thursday. Thursday, on Thursday's coming up. And so uh, we're going to pre-record a few shows before we go away because we want to have, well, I want to have a holiday when I'm, when I'm going to work. And John's got to do hard work in Hawaii. So anyway, guys, results. We had Ironman Lanzarote on the weekend. John, what happened at Lanzarote? Bart Aronauts uh, smoked everybody, basically. He yeah, swam 50 minutes, rode 4.48 and ran 2.48 for an 8.34, beating out Alessandro Di Giuseppe, by uh, nearly 10 minutes and then Jesse Thomas who was last year's winner had a bit of a roller coaster today but still managed to, to hang on there for third place and an 8.49 so pretty impressive stuff by um, Bart Arnotts and had a bit of a look through his background and I th- it looks to me as though that was his first Ironman, or second Ironman win. He won Ironman France back in 2014. He's had some great races in Kona. He finished uh, eighth last year. He's had uh, ninth in Kona. Um, he's had a bunch of some other podiums, 11th in Kona in 2012 in his first race over there. Um, so he's really renowned as a fantastic runner. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, that's only his second Ironman win. Good stuff. Pretty slow day. It's always a pretty rough day over there in, in Lanzagrotti, and uh, it seemed this year that the, the bike times were a bit slow as well. Um, so I was having the results on good old tryrating.com, and, uh, geez, there's quite a few explosions for the boys. Stephen Baylor, a splash in the past, his name was actually up there. He's up amongst 
leaders for, for quite some time. He uh, banged out a four-hour 44 marathon, and quite a few of the other athletes listed as pros were 335, 345, 347, 351, quite a few explosions and quite a big uh, list of DNFs. So there was 23 male finishes and there's about another sort of 15 or so that um dnf'd including some of the you know fancied athletes cyril Vanot, victor del Corral, and uh and one or two others so yeah lots of dnf's on the girls side of things lucy charles basically bit just about the majority of the guys out of the swim she swam 4706 wow. uh, so she you know, she's putting three minutes into into the first three guys. Uh, so clearly a pretty impressive swimmer. Uh, she rode 5.23 to really set her race up and only needed to do uh, 3.8 on that and took it out in 9.35, beating Corinne Abraham in 9.45. And Lucy Gossage, despite being a bit slower than expected, I think she's pretty happy with her 9.50 um, because she's not taking uh, not quite as full on as what she was in the past. So I think she was pretty happy with third place, which means it was Team GBR taking out the podium, first, second and third. Go to the Poms, John, go to the Poms. Okay, so interesting racing happening there, John. We also had Ironman 70.3, Bas- well, quite a few 70.3s, but Barcelona, and no surprise you took that one out, Jombo. We did, so um, yeah, no surprises there. Jan Fredino taking it out from uh, Nick Kesselteen, who is an Australian guy, I believe does such uh, training with Terenzo and Jan Fredino. So they rode, swam and rode together, and then uh, Frodo put a couple of minutes into him on the run, took that out by three minutes. Emma Pallant on the girls' side of things. We also had uh, 70.3 in Austria with uh, Nils Fromhold taking that one out, and Laura Phillip on the, the girls' side of things, beating Yvonne Van Vlerken. And the other 70.3 we had at the weekend, bit of a trial run for the 70.3 world champs. Matt Russell took that one out in 357. Uh, from Adam Stott and Heather Jackson took out the girls from uh, ITU athlete Sarah True. What was probably a little bit interesting there was uh, the age group race had the swim shortened, I believe, because when you actually go onto the athlete tracker, there was a number of uh, age group athletes that actually uh, had quicker times than Matt Russell, but then wow. you looked at their swim times that were significantly better, uh, significantly quicker. So be interested to see if uh, maybe people can give us feedback if, there, if there's a chance that that could happen for the world champs later in the year. Um, yeah, it could be not, some people might not be too happy about that. So is it a weather conditions um, reason? Well, you swim in a river over there, so I think the current was a little bit, a uh, little bit too strong. So I had to make some changes. So haven't haven't heard the full scoop, but that's all I know at this stage. St. Poulton, where, where, where's St. Poulton, John? Is it Austria? Is it? It is in Aust- Austria. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what happened hmm. there? Other news. I've already said that, Bevan. Oh, Come on, sorry. I know it's five o'clock, and you've you've had you've had your you had your what you're sleeping. You know, others of us got up at five o'clock team. and managed to we're managed to start to get at five, in. and and um, my alarm went off at four thirty. I thought, sweet, I'll get up, and I thought just a couple more minutes sleep, and I'm always pretty good at getting up. And then I woke up, and it was quarter to six. And I was like, oh no! And I'm, yeah. I'm jumped out of bed, yeah. I'm running around this room, and then I text John, can you do the show? And 
He said, yep, and then I'm trying to find my cable, and I'm, oh, it's been a disaster morning, John. So I'm sorry. Oh, yep, I know. I owe you two apologies now. It might be, it might be 10 by the end of the show, <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> so there's going to be a new Ironman Columbia triathlon. This is interesting because it's in Sri Lanka. Um, but the thing about it is it's not going to be owned by Wanda Sports. It's going to be owned by a different organization. Yeah, so I think it's fantastic that Ironman are continuing to expand their events out into the, you know, out into um, the different Asian countries. So, you know, I've really got absolutely no idea what the triathlon scene is like in Sri Lanka. I would imagine it would be pretty slim and pretty small, but uh, I would imagine the course might be absolutely beautiful and, you know, bring in some good tourist revenue into the area so uh yeah but i picked up the same thing it's going to take place on the 25th of february next year 2018 but it is going to be operated by a company called pro and serum whatever just a local company so yeah it, it seems like um maybe in certain circumstances they may allow this to happen but elsewhere in the world they've really been doing the complete opposite model and pulling everything back into in-house uh, operations sort of operated on a regional basis so in australia and new zealand and sort of through asia it's you know a lot of the stuff's run out of um the formerly usm um sports which was they managed a lot of the australian events and and yeah they just kind of imagine manage things regionally but obviously there's very few races uh in sri lanka and in that part of the world so they're going to have some independent providers so i'm sure they'll still have to uphold the uh you know the the the, how they run run events, but they're not doing it themselves. So it's interesting to see how that one goes. Got to say, would you would you want to do this business yourself? Would you if, if let's say, you know, they want to do a seventy point three in Christchurch, um, and they came to you and said, John, you know, you, you put this on, you can own it, and so on. Would you want to do it? Because I, I don't know if I trust them. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it in Christchurch. No, I mean, but you get what I mean, like more more population base. But if I was in a in an area that had a good population base and you go, yeah, I can, I can get one to 2000 people or whatever it might be. Then, um, I would certainly look at it. I, it would just depend what the terms and conditions are and, and how I felt about the events. So I couldn't give you uh, a definitive answer at this stage. Bevan. Well, just for me, it's, it's like, if I'm going to invest heaps, I don't know if they'd let me hold it forever. You know, like the history of taking over races again, mm. Um, now, um, maybe the, the race directors who have taken the races back have been paid really well, so it's been worth their time to kind of lose their races. But, you know, the chances here are that this company builds this and then one sports says, well, we want it back now. And it'd be pretty frustrating if that happens. Now, maybe they have a really good contract and maybe, you know, maybe it's the case and maybe I'm being a bit hard here. But um, based on what's happened in the last few years, I don't know if I'd want to go into bed with Wonder at this point in time. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to go into bed with, uh, with them. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think you know, they'd have pretty comprehensive have have um, agreements. So, yeah. you know, if you had a five-year a five year deal, then, yeah, you basically come up with a five-year business plan. And uh, and then after that, you just got to renew or figure out what you're going to do. So this weekend, John, we've got a challenge. Is it this weekend, next weekend, next weekend? Is it this weekend? This weekend, yeah. This weekend. Uh, oh, no, 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 it's not. It's a little way. Um, two weekends from now. You caught weekends. me on the hot, Bevan. No, We've weekends. basically got the challenge. You can you look it up while I, I explain no, it's the 3rd it. Of June. The challenge is on 3rd of June. Yeah. God, we're organized. We're so professional. <laughs> My third apology. Third apology. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a kid. It's going to be nine. Luckily, the Challenge family is organized and they've got a. It's going to be an interesting race. So they have the, the championship 
first edition is going to be on the 3rd of July. It's in Samarin in the epic X bionic sphere and the pictures of that is this multifaceted um, place where they've got all different sorts of stadiums it looks really funky but the cool thing for us to go and uh, watch from afar is from spectators point of view is you're going to have Richard Murray mm. versus Sebastian Kingley versus Andreas Dreitz versus Lionel Sanders and now they've added Alistair Brownlee yeah. into the mix so that's going to be a cool race to watch on the guys' side because you'll have Alistair Brownlee off the front in the swim. Richard Murray, I'm picking he would be you know, somewhere between a minute to maximum two minutes behind Alistair Brownlee out of the swim. In an ITU swim, he's not that far behind, but in ITU swims, you have a lot more people to pull Craft, him through. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's going to be you know, more than a minute. Sebastian Keenley, he might, he'd probably be a little bit behind Richard Murray. Andreas Dreitz, I can't remember what sort of a swimmer he is. But you're going to have all those guys and uh, spread out. Lionel Sanders will be further off the back still. Uh, but all four of them, or five of them, are weapons on the bike uh, it's be interesting to see if Lionel Sanders comes through and pulls the map or, or how that race really unfolds and it is also a 20 meter draft zone so um, when you have that it does make a pretty big difference uh, on the girls side of things you have Rachel Klamer who I don't even know if she's done a 70.3 but another one of the ITU athletes uh, sort of stepping up to the half distance Heather Wirtle, Annabelle Luxford Melissa Halscheidt and uh, I know Laura Siddle I think mentioned it doing it as well so guys side of things is looking pretty exciting and we should see a solid race on the girls as well yeah it's gonna be pretty cool it's, it's definitely a race you want to watch you know like if that, that level of field it definitely draws you to it doesn't it absolutely yeah. so good on challenge forward to it um i'm in brazil regional championships are coming up and it's good money good points so what's who's there jumbo yeah it's, it's it's uh, good money when you go to the regional champs. Uh, it's good points. And the field they've got this year, it is a 29% of a typical Kona field. Uh, and it's, you know, we should see some good racing. You've got Brent McMahon, Andreas Raylert, Tim Don, um, and Nico Lanos, Paul Matthews. So, you know, a good, good solid field. Uh, they've got how many races have they got? Probably about sort of 40, 40 guys down on the guys' side of things. Girls is uh, 24% of a Kona field. They've got uh, Susie Cheatham, Lindsay Corbin, Maureen Half, and Sonia Tatsik um, leading the girls' charge. And they've probably got uh, about 25-odd girls there. And uh, one that will be of note to see how she goes is Magali Tissiria. I remember racing her at uh, 70.3. She did Kona 70.3 last time that I raced, and she either finished first or second there. So whether or not it looks to, according to Torsten's records here, that this is going to be her Ironman debut, unless she's done a challenge race elsewhere. Uh, so, yeah, let's go and see who uh, rocks it out. Last year we had some very fast times down there in Brazil. We had, uh, let me just pull this up. Last year we had um, 7.46 for Brent McMahon last year, 8.04 for Tim Don and 8.04 for Kevin Collington. Nice. Uh, on the girls' side of things, Elizabeth Lyles took it out in 8.54. So good fast racing. And lastly, we have the Frenchman, which is the fifth edition south of France. 323 finishes last year, so it's kind of slowly building. Yeah, and it's a race that I've, I haven't actually picked up on in previous years, so I got that off k226.com. Uh, so if you want to go southwest of France this time of the year, check out the Frenchman. Now, we we had an interview a few weeks ago with Jill around the mental health survey, and she just sent us through a message saying she still needs another 40 respondents. So 
if you are willing to, I think it's about 15 minutes to do the uh, survey, and it's really helping understanding kind of the mental side of triathlon. And so if you want to do that, I'll put a link to it in talk this week's show notes as well. Uh, so you can just make sure you, you know, just give up 15 minutes of your time and it's going to a great cause. And we'll get her back on once she's actually done the survey um, and come up with the conclusions of it because there's some really important insights that will come from that. So if you have got 15 minutes, you know, it'd be really cool if you can give that up for Jill. John, sponsor. Bevan, I reckon you're sounding a bit sniffly. I know you're tired, but I reckon you're sounding a bit sniffly over there. Are oh, you coming down with anything? Poor me. No, yes. Oh, John, it's, it's hard life. But my, but my yeah, bum's clean. Immune, <laughs> you need some immune boost. Don't put that up your bum. Put it in your mouth. Uh, it is I, – I was getting sniffly uh, sort of Friday, Saturday. So slamming the immune boost come Monday – Sweet as, no problems whatsoever. And I hear this from so many different uh, athletes is they might not be taking it year round, but whenever they feel a bit of a sniffle coming on, they take it on. It's uh, And it's, it's a great multivitamin and it works a treat for me. So if it's that time of the year when you're starting to give it a sniffly, especially athletes in the Southern Hemisphere, Kiwis and Aussies, and, and it's getting a bit chilly, uh, even in the Northern Hemisphere, you're probably not quite kicking into summer if you've got a key race coming up. Get on it, get yourself some immune boost and get yourself feeling healthy. Remember the promo code IAMTALK20 and you get a 20% discount. So check it out, xendurance.com. Well, it's one of the most important things is staying healthy, isn't it? As an athlete, if you want to perform, you know, one of the most important things as an athlete is consistency. One of the most important things to, for consistency is to stay healthy. So to have a, a tool like that in your toolbox is really important, eh? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're very agreeable today, John. I'm, I'm a bit confused. I'm apologising and you're being agreeable. What's happening here? I'm just fr- friendly. I'm being friendly, John. I'm not going to see you for a lot. I'm going to see you on Wednesday and then I'm not going to see you for, for weeks on end. I know. It's going to be hard. I know. It's, I know it's hard, John. You'll, you'll just, survive. I've just got to go. The doorbell's just rang. Hold on a second. Okay. John's forced to do a doorbell. And I'll, I'll talk about this week's discussion. So this week's discussion, the Mountain Snail sent through an article, and it was about a new drug having a big impact on the mind side of endurance sport. And so what's uh, it was quite an interesting article. It'll be interesting to see if uh, what it means for cheating, because it kind of allows the mind to push harder but anyway we kind of just got us thinking about what are some of the mind strategies that you use when you're training so in this week's discussion we wanted people to share their best mind strategies when they're out training and good old Di Carroll was the first one to have an answer and Di said I play songs in my head earphones have no place for them in the open road but she loves the songs in her head. Things with fast enough beat to keep up the cadence, some sort of rhyme with meaningful positive vibe repeated over and over works the same, or at least get me through a tough spot. So that's how Di goes about doing it. Um, we've got Poel, and he's got level of journalism and stuff can be your case. He's slamming you, Bevan. He's slamming it. Bevan, he's slamming us for, for putting this up there because he said this is just complete rubbish. He says uh, cardenine used in the study that actually they actually gave to the rats to improve their performance. Yep. Uh, basically, gave them cancer, and because of that, it didn't go into clinical trials and uh, is available in some really dodgy places. It's banned by WADA and probably the only drug that WADA did warn athletes about. Uh, people have been banned because of it for many for for years now. In short, don't effing take cardenine. <laughs> Bloody stuff.co.nz. Okay, Duncan Pedford said, firstly, the body has several built uh, in safety switches and moving one out of out by 30 to 40% seems dangerous. Oh, he's, he also doesn't like it. 
when it gets the going tough, geez, goes to an interesting place. When uh, the going gets tough, I recall a visit to a World War II concentration camp and tell myself it could always be worse. The other one I do is convince myself that the fastest way to get home is to go fast. Tina Arndt, she says, the best mental strategy I've found for Ironmans and marathons is the gratitude mile or 10 miles on the bike. Choose a person to think about and ride for that interval of time. Finn Zwager's got one, but he's Finn's actually going to, well, our app of the week. So we'll That's our app of the week, yeah. Bevan. So we'll don't don't go later. stealing that app. Okay, David Doherty's yep. got, um, when racing, you've got to stay in the moment and not start thinking about what you have left to do. Are you hungry, thirsty, etc.? Deal with the here and now. And Nikki Sweetman, uh, she's when the shit hits the fan and your race turns to custard. My mantra is, what do you need to do right now so you finish? Uh, Swanee Noah, Richard Swan's got, I find listening to Iron Maiden's Run in the Hills is fantastic for my run repeats. Fantastic. Bevan, what do you do with your mental strategies? Do you know what? I use a lot of strategies. Things like music. I use a lot of um, questions. I use a lot of uh, a lot of mental prep before a session, I think, is really important. Um, you know, defining when the moment's going to get hard and what I'll do, so all that kind of stuff. But one thing I did the other day, I did a, I did a like a 33K run, and um, I was getting a bit tired towards the end. And I wasn't meant to be pushing hard, but I kind of wanted to stay strongish. And, and this is a this, this just kind of came out of nowhere, but I had to solve a problem with work. So when I teach um, classes, I often will learn what I have to teach before I teach it. And that day I had to teach a couple of classes. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I, I've got to do my prep in my mind. And so while I was doing this run, I kind of started to solve the problem of learning my classes as I was doing it. And suddenly I was running fast, but my mind was distracted by solving the problem. It was really interesting. And so I'm not sure if it's a strategy I'll keep implementing, but I, I was thinking maybe in the future when I have a tough moment, actually think of an outside problem and put my mind there. And it almost distracts me from the pain I'm going through. Now, this is just a random one-off that I haven't tried more, but it was just, it was really fascinating as I started thinking about this. I almost forgot that I was running and it took me somewhere else. Now, I know we often say be process-driven and focus on the now and all those types of things, but it was really fascinating how that kind of think of a problem that I can solve right now while I'm moving. Now, I don't know if it would work for when you're trying to work at your most intense moment, but as in just keeping me moving, it seems to be quite a good strategy. So that's one that I've just recently discovered. Um, but yeah, a lot of process, a lot of pre-planning the moment. I really, that's a big one I'm into is that see the moment when it's going to get hard, pre-plan, pre-load all the actions you're going to do at that moment. I think that's a big one. Um, music, um, yeah, there's a big one for me, John. What about you? Um, as you guys know, I'm very process driven and very technique driven as well. So, so probably more thinking about the run because that's more often than not for us when the going is going to get tough in a race. Yeah, we go through um, some roller coasters on the bike, but it's usually on the run where the, the shit's really going to hit the fan and it's going to become really difficult. So in the, I've had a few of those moments uh, fairly recently in some of my runs and <coughs> Initially, I usually focus on technique, and uh, and for me at the moment, you know, that means mainly um, pulling my heels up a little bit higher, and also with that, it allow, allows me also to lift my knees a bit higher, and that will usually give me a few seconds per case uh, quicker to get myself back on pace. Um, but at the same time, this is kind of almost uh, saying the opposite. Sometimes I overthink the technique a little bit too much and start sometimes just 
get a little bit t- too tight on it and at that stage then need to you know sort of recognize that and then it's a case of just trying to go into being a lot more relaxed and going with the, the flow so I kind of hover between those two thoughts when the when the goings get tough um, I, I also one other thing that I kind of almost trick my mind into thinking that it's not as far to go as perhaps what it might be so if I'm coming into a you know a, doing a key run like yesterday we did a, um, a 30k run where the first uh, sort of 15 to 20 k's was in the hills and the last um 10 to 15 k's is on the flat and running into a shitty cold wind for for a pretty good chunk of it um and i'm sort of often round things down quite a bit so it might actually be you know i've got five or six k's to go but i'm kind of i always round it down a bit and then i estimate my time to go based off absolute dream case scenario so if i've got five k's to go and i'm thinking well you know I, know I know that i'll be trying to run at sort of four minutes 15 per k pace i'll sort of round that down to, f- to four minutes and just come up with the shortest amount of time that uh that i think in dream scenario would be to get there and then it kind of convinces me okay it's not actually that far to go so always rounding things down and trying to put a fairly positive outlook on the the situation and uh and then Probably the one other thing when I'm in really tough environments, and this is what I think about a bit in, say, Kona when we're doing the 70.3 over there, is, you know, just thinking, yes, staying in the moment, but also thinking over there because it's so difficult on the run, thinking, okay, I've got to get to this next aid station as quick as and efficiently as I possibly can, and then I'm going to get the reward that I'm actually going to be able to get cooled down a bit by getting some water, some ice, or whatever. Um, so I'm sort of attaching a bit of a reward to actually getting my ass moving and making sure I get to the next aid station as quick as I can. So those are probably a few of the little strategies that I use. It's interesting. One, one that I often use as well is it's actually not that long you've got to fight for. If you know what I mean? Like, it's a kind of, you know, like, it's only 20 minutes, you know, when, when you mm. think, and when you kind of broaden that out, you know, like 20 minutes in, in a day is not much, in, in out, you know, and so on. So it's almost like, okay, well, can you push for 20 minutes is, is a really kind of, when you take that perspective, it allows you to kind of think, oh, I could, I could well, I can at least go maybe harder than what I am going. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's the great thing about the sport, isn't it? Is that you are learning life strategies you know because those strategies are strategies you can take it to any area where you're trying to focus or concentrate and uh, you know those are life skills that are so important and it's such a good self-discovery mechanism to kind of go through adversity and learn those skills isn't it Yep, and as, as Pavel says, uh, whilst cardenine is going to work for rats, and it probably will work for humans, and, and the idea around that is it's going to um, sort of take over, you know, the signals to your brain are going to get controlled, so you're not going to be hitting that bonk so much. Whilst it sounds good in practice, it's uh, you're going not legal on the water list, and you're probably going to get cancer, so probably not the best thing to do. Okay, Jonbo, you've, you've got a good question this week. Tell me what it is. Yeah, so um, this is an Epic Camp question because we have got some Epic Camps coming up. I know they're a long way off, but 2019 is going to be our next big Monty in France. We're going to go all the way through the Pyrenees. And if you recall back last year, we went to the Alps. And on my birthday, I did this uh, pretty full-on challenge all day long uh, of training. So if you were going to be designing an Epic Camp, you know, what would be the ultimate day for you in terms of, you know, really pushing yourself to the limit? So you have a 12-hour window to train. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to go out there and train continuously for 12 hours. It's not necessarily practical. You need to have a few stops. But what would you do to get the, you know, to, to have the most enjoyable day for you in terms of really testing yourself? So, for example, 
when I did that, what did I do? I, I got up and I went and ran a 10K at a quite a quick pace um, to get some bonus points um, for doing that. Came directly home and I think I went out for a uh, for a short bike ride for about 30Ks just to fill in some time and then went to the pool and did 100 100s and then went directly from there, went out for a two-hour run and then directly straight after that, I think then I did... Uh, I think it was either a 60 or 90 kilometer bike ride and that pretty much took me all day. So think of something like that, you know, what would be a really cool day for you guys to have uh, that would test you the limit if you're on an epic camp. And if you do want to come over to the Pyrenees, it's going to be in the end of July 2019 and then we're going to back that up with a uh, an Embraham camp uh, at the start of August in 2019 and that is an awesome race to look out for. And uh, just in doing 12-hour day training and you just want to fill in some time, do an extra 30-minute on the bike. That's how you roll your nutbar. Okay, one, two, three, four, high five. And this one comes through from Rob the Spine Tingler Green. He's got here, I'm directing this email at you, Bevan, because I don't think John will give himself enough credit. I just finished Iron Talk's 10-stage trainer road series. I was able to increase my FTP by 125%. Uh, failure test went from, oh, sorry, my 125 percent failure test went from 330 to 701 in just over two weeks well that's massive um i suffered a calf strain completely self-inflicted and with his direction started the 10 stage bike series since i was able to run what an awesome ftp program and it was exactly the jolt i needed to get back into my early season race form designed by coach newsom himself so if Anyone needs a kick to get back into cycling fitness, join the I Am Talk team on Trainer Road and go through the 10-stage program. Thanks, John Newson. On that note, I'm a sports chiropractor, and part of providing treatment is to keep athletes, help athletes navigate their injury and time frames return to sport. Here's a 5-5 for promoting exactly what we teach our patients on dealing with an injury. Do you want to go first, John? Yeah, and I think this email is quite old, <laughs> and I, we may have covered it already, but I thought it was it was a good one to go go back through, especially for guys at the moment, guys and girls that are it's early season or it's end of season, for, and a lot of early season athletes sometimes this yeah, this is the time of season where you might get a little injury when you've started to lift things up, and you go, oh shit, you know we're right at the start of the season here, and I can't run, and oh this is going to be a disaster, and Rob was in that circumstance, and I think it might have even been about twelve months ago that this. Uh, he, he did this and this was how he uh, you know some advice he's got for dealing with it so number one don't do anything that produces pain in the area you can't outwork an injury by pushing through it yeah it's a really good point isn't it and it's it's a hard one that one isn't it because when you're in a place where you've got a goal you know emotionally you want to but it's such an unwise way of doing it number two focus on what you can do can't run take time to improve your cycling go swimming good time to focus on nutrition want to try a low carb fat diet get something like that give it a go Absolutely, focusing on what you can do. And uh, from from a coaching perspective, when I get athletes to do little swim blocks, it might be you know two or three weeks where you go swimming five, maybe six times a week, as opposed to two to three. Um, athletes really enjoy that little bit of variety, and you keep your fitness up, you keep some intensity in. So uh, yeah, focus on what you can do, what you can't. Number three, proper rehab. Get some guidance with proper treatment. You can expedite the heal rate and be back to sport quicker and less likely to re-injure the biggest predictor of an injury is having an injury movement patterns change and you compensate in other areas and get overloaded the cycle just continues 
Do you know, just going back to your last point, I think the other thing around that last point of um, focusing on our area is you can feel good in a time where you may emotionally feel bad. So, Mm. you know, like most of us, when we get injured, it's a bit of a down, and especially if you've got an important goal, um, that can be a really tough moment. And so instead of being in this kind of Debbie Downer place where it's just like, oh, man, this really sucks, it's like, oh, you can actually feel really good because I look at, like, he's a really good example. His cycling, his FTP improved massively in a time where maybe he couldn't run, but it's like, oh, I'm... I'm, I'm really gaining here, so it's a, a really good thing. Number four, enjoy the extra family time. Be 100% present with them. Stop pouting about with your injury. <laughs> nice. Nice. Number five, take ownership of the controllables. Let's face it, injuries suck, and there's never a good time to be down from your sport. But take the ownership of the above things, and you can control it and get back before you know it and stronger from it. Good times. Thanks, Rob. So it's the tie five you want to add, John? No, but I think that um, if you do want to check out the Trainer Road series, you can go on there and just look up the uh, I Am Talk or join the I Am Talk team, and all those ten workouts are still in there. Uh, it's there's some pretty tough workouts in there, so you have to be realistic with where your fitness is at, and that's why there's a little test session at the beginning. You know, if you're thinking I'll set my FTP what it was uh, what it was at at my peak last summer, then you're just going to completely fail. But I know when Rob um, a long time ago that he did this test. You know, you set your FTP at a realistic level. Uh, at the beginning or do a little test to set your FTP and then you go through those 10 workouts over maybe um, 20 days or so and uh, and he lifted the, the, the length of time he was t- uh, t- to failure from 3 minutes 30 to 7 minutes in just over 2 weeks so check it out Just one, one, one I will add John is you know often when you do our sport there's a kind of a uh, what would, how would I put it there's almost this kind of like a disappointment of the thing you've lost because you're doing the sport. The example for me was when I did Ironman, the disappointing thing about doing Ironman, which which I accepted and I was, I was happy to do, was that I didn't do much music So because I just didn't have time for music in my life. And, you know, it was just, that was one of the deals that came with doing an Ironman. Once I gave up Ironman, I brought music back into my life. But, you know, it was always that kind of, oh, if I had more time, I'd be doing a bit more music. And so when I got injured, it was like, oh, well, one of the things I can do is I can get back and do some music in this time period. And so if you have that thing that you know you're sacrificing because, um, you're not doing, you know, because you're doing Ironman, that's kind of high level training and time consuming training. Then, in this time when you get injured, it's like, okay, well, let's have some fun in the area where maybe I feel I'm missing out on in my life. And that might be a hobby like music, like me, or it might be um, extra time with friends, like you said, joining the family time. But, you know, it's almost an opportunity to kind of capture something else in your life that maybe gets sacrificed because you do the sport. Absolutely. Again, agreeable, John. Uh, I'm not getting nine apologies out after you know, your attitude today. Some days I'm, I feel it inside. Feeling I'm doing twenty. For you. Feeling some. Yeah. No. I get ready. Three, two, one. Stats, tastic. Stats, tastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, John, you you can do this one. Joys of long distance internet. Exactly. So tell me about this one, John. In 2002, Tim DeBoom became the first man since Mark Allen in 1993 to win consecutive Ironman World Championship titles in Kona. So the other people that have done this, so Mark Allen has done uh, more than one consecutive. He's done, 
think, what was it, four in a row maybe, uh, four or five in a row. Dave Scott had multiple victories back-to-back. And then in more recent times, so this article was from ages ago where I got the stat from, so Tim DeBoom did it back-to-back in 2002. And then since then, we've had um, Craig Alexander did 2008-2009, uh, and Jan Fredino did 2015-2016. So not that many guys yeah, have done it. It's amazing it hasn't happened. Like, admittedly, early on, it was dominated by two people, but it is amazing how hard it is to come back and win it twice, like back-to-back, mm. you know, like. A lot of other sports, you get those really dominant figures that are around for a long time. You know, you say, think of a, an Alistair Brownlee over the Olympic distance, mm. you know, he'd almost any time that he rocks up, he was going to win it. But I think it really shows and he went to Olympics, the dynamic four nature years apart. of yeah, but it shows the dynamic nature of the Kona course, you know. So in between some of those wins, you'd occasionally get someone like a Norman Stadler who would just blast off the front and get an unassailable lead. Um, and then you had the sort of then you had your, your one-off victors, you know, guys like Freddie Van Laird and Pete Jacobs who just had their their you know amazing race and have not been able to repeat that in terms of uh, getting back on the the top level of the podium. So yeah, it's a difficult thing to do, and perhaps we you know. We sometimes underestimate it when we, we pick our favourites each year and just go, you know, Jan Fredino is going to smoke it every year. It's a bloody difficult race to master. There's so much more than just swimming, biking and running. And I think if this race was held in a more moderate climate where there was less variables in terms of the wind, in terms of dealing with the nutrition and the heat, then I think we probably would have seen guys that had would repeat um, the sport's getting a lot more competitive these days. So, uh, yeah, I think on the girl, I'm going to come back and do a girls' side of things, and we, we will see a slightly different theme as we're going through the um, through the girls' racing. John, John, the question I had as, as I was doing prep to say, who do you think is the worst Ironman winner, championship winner? In... <laughs> it's about Maine? No, no, no. Well, you know, but, you know, they still want an Ironman. God, they're, they're not going to complain. But in the modern era, so maybe past 1990, which is probably past modern era, but like, you know, in the last kind of 25, 26 years, who is the worst person to win an Ironman, the world championship? Well, the worst person to not do anything since they've won an Ironman championship, that's a pretty easy um, easy one because Pete Jacobs is, uh, has done yeah. nothing. Since, since winning that but prior to that and the years leading into that you know he was working his way out the podium I think he got yeah. like a, a fifth or fourth or third or a second or whatever it was but he was working his way up so he was very consistent leading uh, up to it but since then has done very little Freddie Van Laird since his win uh, I don't think he's quite been at the same level since 2013 leading into that again he was having some really consistent amazing races but he, I mean he's had a few he's had some incidents and what have you but um hasn't been quite at the same level. Like the next year he got went first to, to eighth, and then the next year he was uh, nowhere. And he's, so he's nice and consistent, but he's not um, – he, you wouldn't put him right at the forefront of your picks every every year. So those would be um, the two that have won one and haven't done – much or too much since before that you had Craig Alexander and Chris McCormick so you can't say too much about them and I'm just looking at the guys side of things yeah. uh, Norman Stadler you know he was pretty consistent there for quite some time so you couldn't say he was that crap Farrell Sultan 
whilst he never, I don't think he got back on the podium again. Oh, no, he did get the podium yeah, did, again. Yeah, he went yeah. to 2005, he got first. 2006, he got third. He did win other races. I remember he won uh, Ironman Frankfurt, and he was, yeah, and he got quite a, quite a few other top tens in Kona. And for a long so, time too, didn't he? Like He stayed mm, in that top ten for a long time. Mm. Peter Reid was always good. Tim DeBoom was good. I'm just scrolling through here. And the rest of them, then you kind of get to the, the previous era where you had um, Luke Van Laird, Hal Regal, and then you're into the Mark Allen, Dave Scott time. So I think there's there's very few that have been crap since they won. And Pete Jacobs, unfortunately, has just been sick and injured since um, since racing, and he'd be the, the big uh, main example, of, I think. What about Gills? If we look at the Gills, is it Leander Cave? It's because you've got Reef, you've got Rennie, then you've got the Chrissy era, then you've got B- ben, Laurie, Laurie Bowden won a couple, Heather Fuhrer. She wasn't she wasn't a um she wasn't a one off off, you know that year when she won she won 70.3 worlds yeah, she she's won fire. itu worlds she's been around for donkey's years yeah, so it's, it's, it's yes, a hard question then, because they're all quite great the same athlete hmm. um so yeah we haven't had that one good person who's just rocked up and, the, and, the, and when you talk about itu distance you know someone like uh kate allen who won the olympics she came from nowhere and didn't do anything afterwards either. So that was a, and, and also Bridget McMahon, which we know there was uh, perhaps other reasons for her, 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 her rise. She was at a good level and then won the Olympics and then was, uh, wasn't was too much to be seen of her for too much after that. Again, she was at a good level, but not an amazing level. And to some degree, and I've said this sort of before, Jan Fredino kind of falls into this category. If you take his 70.3 and Ironman races out of the equation, he was a very good Olympic distance athlete, but not an amazing one. Had that one um, race where everything just sort of clicked and won the sprint finish. Um, but outside of that, he didn't have massive amounts of uh, ITU success. Yeah, again, it's a hard question because all the the thing is, we have, as you say, we haven't had a pleb win it. Everyone who's won it has been of the standard who should win it. But it's just a really interesting question. Um, Jumbo, mm. workout of the week. Where you go? Rightio, this was a swim workout I did last week on Friday. Not necessarily a super specific Ironman workout, but it's got a number of purposes and themes to A, make you swim harder and also give you a bit of focus and direction when you're going to the pool. I will give one other tip that I can't remember what day it was last week, but I've got a new tip, Bevan. I'm I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm not a, a lame Nazi when it comes to the pool. <laughs> really? But really? across whether it's no, I'm not. I mean, if someone else faster swimming in my lane, uh, well, I shouldn't say my lane, in the lane, then I'm going to make my best effort to stay out of their way, yep. and I will modify my rest interval and so on, so yep. I'm trying to interfere as little as possible with their swim. It's etiquette. And this goes across, you know, whether it be cycling or running or whatever, I get frustrated by people that are just are just clue- so clueless, they just do- they lack common sense. And so I think it might have been Tuesday last week. I went down and, and I was doing a simulation session. So I was uh, doing a 
I think I did a two and a half K swim, sort of 500 warm up, and then 2K at a, at a good pace. And then I was doing basically a 40K half Ironman effort, and then a 10K run off the bike. And I think it must have been Tuesday that I was doing it. Went down there. The old grinder was grinding out the last part of her session. She was in the fast lane. Go the grinder. She's normally in the lane next to us in the lane next to us and I stood at the end of the pool going crap there's like five people in the fast lane and the grinder's just getting out and she said uh, <laughs> I said what's that person doing breaststroke in the lane and she said yeah she's been in there the whole time and and so have some etiquette do you go talk to the staff No, you just this is where the strategy comes in. So this is a good strategy, I think. So I'm getting, I get in there, do my warm up. I'm probably lapping this person every hundred, maybe 150 meters. It's a 25 oh, wow. meter pool, wow. and the lanes are clearly, like, clearly labelled slow, medium, fast lane. It's only, a, it's a five lane pool. There's one fast lane in the middle, easier lanes on the outside, and medium lanes um, are just inside them, and one fast lane in the middle. Was so it's pretty busy? obvious. Were the other lanes busy? Like, was it, why was she in your no, lane? All about the same. You know, there was okay. three three to five people in each lane. So I'm lapping this lady just every bloody 150 metres or so, getting a bit sick of it. And there's a couple of other decent swimmers in the lane as well. She's doing breaststroke and it's it's starting to grate on me a bit. And so it came up to one point where I was coming up towards a turn. I was going to have to pass her just before the turn. And there was a guy coming the other way. And I said, I thought, right, I'm going to. I'm, I'm not going to swim really close to her, but I'm going to swim close enough so she actually kicks me. And so I took a hit for the team. She kicked me, uh, and that gave her the message that it was time to shift over, and she shifted lane. So if you want to get someone out of your lane that's doing breaststroke, let them beat take you a hit up. for the team, let them kick you, maybe on the arm or something, and then they'll feel bad, and they'll just finally might get it that they need to shift lanes. So it worked. Good tip, that one. Because – you know, Chris McAteer, he was you know, a sad loss to the sport, but um, he was a, he was he managed the pool, and he was great when you swam at his pool because anyone who wasn't <laughs> meant to be in the lane, he would he would literally just go up and say, "Look, you're not meant to be in this lane. Get into the other lane." And it was great because you didn't have to because it consumes you. That's the problem. It ruins your swim because that's where your focus goes is on the person who's annoying in the lane, and uh, yeah. you know, it, and you know, maybe, yeah. You could show with John's strategy, where you let someone beat you up, or maybe the, a good strategy. you get the staff to help you out. But anyway, John, tell us about swim. So swim workout. So it's uh, about three, three and a half, three to three and a half k swim. I did three hundred meters warm up, and then three hundred meters of fifty meters build up, fifty meters easy, and then the main part of the set was doing twice through nine times one hundred and then 200 meters easy. And how I structure the nine by 100s, I do three on one minute 35, so that's leaving every one minute 35, and I'm aiming for one minute 23, so I'm getting around about, so just over 10 seconds rest. The next three, I'm doing on a five second quicker interval, so I'm doing them on one minute 30, and I'm aiming to go sort of three to four seconds quicker, holding about 119s, and then this, Third set of three, I'm doing them on 125, aiming for 115s. So, um, and then do 200 meters easy, and then you repeat that set again. So it's nine nine times 100, getting progressively faster, but also reducing the rest interval. 200 meters easy, and then repeating the whole workout, uh, whole set again. So you're doing 18 100s uh, all up, and then doing 200 meters 
pretty much balls to the wall as fast as you can time swim and then uh, and then warm down so pretty high quality session and what I liked about the session and what I think other people sometimes neglect with their swimming is going into the swim workout and actually having some targets and some swim paces rather than just going in there and going I'm going to do nine by 100s and I'm going to try to build the pace a little bit actually going in I'm going to try to build the pace and I'm going to try to do it on these particular times. Now, you might not always necessarily meet them, but at least then you've got a, an aim and an objective. And for me, you know, I didn't quite reach the, the 115s that I wanted to, to hit, but I wasn't too far off the mark. Um, and so for that reason, you know, it's, it's, it just gives you that purpose and, and keeps you on track. And by having uh, also putting a little bit of um, clock pressure on so you know for me to to do 100s on 125 if you don't do them fairly close to 115s you're not going to be getting much rest at all so it adds a little bit of pressure in terms of you have to actually make the time to get a little bit of rest uh, it's also a great way to get some variation into your swimming um, so you're not just uh, a one speed swimmer or a two speed swimmer you know you're constantly changing paces up and down mm. and uh it's also just a good hard set. And then finally, for me, you know, it gave me a little benchmark to see how quick I'm swimming, uh, you know, the 200 metres pretty much balls to the wall. So, yeah, get out there, have a bit of purpose to your swimming, use your watch, use your clock, and uh, rather than just going in there and sort of swimming to perceive effort or just swimming up and down the lengths. In your training week, John, how many A sessions do you week uh, do you have? How many Bs? And, and, and do you just have sessions which are literally just get – time done like, like how do you how do you structure a week around that with and, and within the different so, sports yeah so at the moment i'm generally doing three key sessions a week and they're pretty tough and and, and they're sort of centered around my biking and running the swimming i'll kind of modify depending on how fresh i'm going to be but in terms of the swimming i'll usually have one and at the moment i'm trying to find time for a third swim but i'm struggling a little bit but in a perfect world i'd have one sort of just steady swim so that's ironman pace swimming and i'd usually position that after a harder day then i'd have one session which is a bit more moderately hard sort of endurance race pace um, workout and then i'd have one session a bit like this one where it's going to be a bit more sort of speed focused um, but in terms of the other training it, it changes quite a bit so you know in the early part of the build-up it's um, a lot more of the daily grind where you're doing you know strength and endurance work and so there's not as much hard stuff it's just grinding it out week to week whereas now it's a much more of a yo-yo ride where i'll go from key session uh to having a couple of days easy and then another key session so for example last week um had a pretty easy day monday and then on the tuesday i did an olympic distance effort at half ironman pace which is reasonably taxing and then uh, that was on tuesday and then wednesday thursday friday were relatively aerobic days and then saturday a bit harder on the bike and then yesterday was a really testing uh testing run so you know usually th about three key sessions per week and in your other in your kind of non-key sessions are you do you struggle with those sessions like mentally because like sometimes i think that the harder sessions are the easier sessions because because there's so much purpose and objective to them that you um you know you prepare better you, you know all the rest of it in your how do you experience your kind of your b and c sessions um, so there's usually a, just a small objective around them 
Um, so for example, you know, last week I would have done, I did a run, which was, it was only about sort of 50, 60 minutes of easy running, but in there I'd have, uh, I think I did 12 strides, which is 20 seconds fast running and 40 seconds easy running. So from a fitness perspective, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going to get heaps fitter or stronger out of this workout. Um, but I just look forward to doing a little bit of leg speed work and getting a bit more string into my stride rather than just grinding out, you know, a hard 10k or something. And that'll sort of play across my other discipline. So today, you know, I'm pretty tight and a bit sore from my run yesterday. So I'm just going to be doing a fairly easy ride. And in my mind, I know I'm not going to gain much fitness, but what I'm actually going to gain is um, active recovery. So I'm going to probably feel a lot better after my workout than what I did beforehand. And then I'll just insert a little bit of skill-based work in there, whether it be some single leg work on the bike or whether it be a bit of high cadence stuff just to help break it up. Um, but yeah, I, I know that I'll feel better after doing the workout. So that, that helps me be motivated to do it rather than just saying, oh, I've just gone got a ride for you know an hour and so I'm not going to get much out of that. I know I'll feel better and then when the next key session rolls around, I'll um, I'll feel better for that. Nice. Okay, John, let's do the next section. One, two, three. My first try. Good old mix and synthesis through this one. It's a big one, John, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get into it. So when I first uh, finished uni, I started getting ill, and this led to me being diagnosed with uh, ulcerative. Uh, Ulcerative colitis. Oh, there we go. And eventually having a cold, my colon removed and having a colonoscopy bag at the age of 24. That must suck. That's got to be one of the... That's a young age. That's a young age. When I was ill, I ended up losing a fair amount of weight. But over the following years, I piled more and more on. And that leads to us to December 2014 when after years of trying my wife and I found out we were having and expecting a baby what a cool moment that's in your life when you especially when you try for so long I decided to weigh myself and for the first time in years and if, even without a major organ I was 106 kg I started off small cutting out pop most sweets fast food etc and starting the couch to five program not telling anyone other than my wife for fear of ridicule as I progressed I set a goal of a 10k in May. After this was over, I thought about my next goal and I picked up the book Can't Swim, Ride or Run by Andy Holgate. I signed up for my first sprint triathlon, not having ridden a bike in the part, better part of 20 years. I borrowed a bike from a friend and I set off trying not to fall off. <laughs> wow, imagine not riding a bike for 20 years. It's I suppose many people don't, I suppose. Eh? It's such a foreign thing to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was just planning on doing it in the, uh, in the, uh, doing it in trainers as I knew I would hit the deck otherwise. Uh, more on this later. I started swimming and kept going with my running. Eventually the day came for my first try. The swim was fine. I went out with a little too hard and for a second thought about doing breaststroke to regain composure but managed to get the breathing right and got out with what I thought was a respectable 10 minute time. I headed into transition, got my bike only to go out with the wrong exit and to be told to come back in. Numpty moment number one. On the bike course, I got into a slow rhythm and felt good until I got to the bottom of the hill. Uh, the route wasn't traffic controlled and we've been told that we had to stop and put a foot on the ground. I have trainers on so I thought this would be easy until my shoelace got wrapped around the pedal and I hit the ground. Numpty moment number two. I then picked myself up and headed into transition only to lose where my bike needed to be wrecked, wandering uh, the rails until a marshal came to find me. Numpty moment 
Number three, finally, I was out in the, the second lap of the run. First lap went fine, or two lap run, sorry. The first lap went fine. I started picking up people off as I neared the end of the lap. I could hear the marshal shouting, turn for the second lap, up the hill for the finish. Well, even to this day, I'm sure both routes required you to turn and both were uphill and I chose the wrong only to hear my mum screaming, turn around, you've got another lap to go. And uh, so I commenced to walk the walk of Shane down to the finisher chute to do my second lap. Numpty moment number four uh, for those that are counting. Fueled on by the embarrassment that I ran hard and eventually came in for a 129, which I would have been more than happy with at the start of my day, but I knew I'd have to iron out the stupid mistakes following what seemed to make sense. Um, but I know now, uh, sorry, following what seemed to make sense, but I know now is the painted John Newsom five-year plan to step up to an Olympic 70.3 in 2016 and now 12 weeks away from the outlaw um, for Collis. How do you say that word? Uh, sorry, Bevan, I'm, uh, I'm getting Crohn's. ready for the next section. That's right. No, weighing Crohn's. 74 kg uh, and having a much happier and healthier outlook on life. All I can say is I wish I'd found triathlon in my teens and I hope my son, Thomas Janes, has a healthier lifestyle than I did. Keep up the good work, lads, and look out for me in the outlaw results. Got to say, that's impressive stuff. Absolutely. Managed to turn things around, so fantastic. Starting with the nutrition and easing into the training. I like it. You're losing 30 kg. Drop the sugar, people. Get rid of your sugar. Yeah, 30 kg. That's massive. Okay, John, wanger of the week. Who is it? We have the Wanger of the Week. This week it is going to be the least amount of training and because we're again recording on a Monday, I've actually gone back to the week previous, which is the week of the 8th to the 14th of May to make sure that we have got these accurate. And Paul Jackson is taking out the least amount of training, category number 9, and he did two activities totaling 19 minutes and 57 seconds. And I'm sure this next one's not correct because he probably hasn't updated it. Jim Plunkett Cole, who's doing the, the run around America, the uh, yep. the Forrest Gump type thing, he was second with 25 minutes. So I'm thinking he probably hasn't updated that. And uh, and then, oh, Walter McCormick gets 33rd place training for the total week with 15 activities, 13 hours, 29, 28 seconds. He was over on Epic Camp France last year. Big old Walter. Good old Walter McCormick, that's a great name. Walter. You don't get many Walters either nowadays, do you? Not in New Zealand, you know, that's for sure. I love a Walter. That's a great name. Okay, John, sponsor. Athlinks.com. We've talked about their beta uh, testing is out, so go on to athlinks.com and check it out. And as part of that, they are introducing their blog. Uh, so go blog.athlinks.com. And you can go through there. And they've got some great tips. One thing that I like, they've got Grow Superfoods at Home Today, eight of our favorites. And they go through a bunch of uh, superfoods on the site that you can grow at home and it tells you whether they're easy or hard to, to, to grow. And one thing that uh, sweet potato is very difficult to grow, Bevan. You've got to wait three to five months for those. Oh, really? What a surprise. It says avocados is easy six weeks for seedling three to five years for the fruit so you gotta you gotta be a bit patient there but they claim it's uh, relatively easy to grow them and then the other one that was relatively easy was um pineapple it said uh okay. easy to grow you need conditions, one to two years you? to get it all, all sorted 
you, you would, but uh, I think this, this is an the indoor project requires little effort with potting and watering being the extent of your work. Your neighbours are going to be knocked, knocking down the front door for a taste of this delicious homegrown superfruit. It would be pretty cool, wouldn't it, if you did your own pineapple at home? Yeah. Gotta Garlic's say, pretty easy, six, six eight months. Got to say, Jonbo, tropical places like in Taiwan, their fruit is just so good. Oh, man, like I've been having fruit every morning for breakfast and their pineapple is just unbelievable. So good, man. It's, oh, I wish we had the climate for our fruit. Oh, we've got the best apples, though. We've got kick-ass apples. Yeah. I love a good apple. I love a good orange. I do love a good orange, you know. Yeah. I do love a good orange. apple as well. What kind orange of apple do you like? What? Orange. Uh, jazz apples. It's such a weak <laughs> you, you, you do support... If you do support crews on on camps, you've got to make fruit as easy as possible. If you put an apple or an orange down, people won't eat it, or very rarely. If you chop it up, they'll eat it. Oranges, you've always got to chop up. They get messy and they get everywhere. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Oh, it's so much work chopping an orange. (laughs) <laughs> so get a, check out the uh, blog.athlinks.com. They've got uh, tips on uh, spring gear guide for runners, for triathletes. If you're doing any obstacle courses, they've got uh, reviews on your know, favorite races in particular areas and then some Athlinks profiles. And then I like that, the superfoods grown at home. So check it out, athlinks.com. While you're on it, make sure you update all your upcoming races and any races that you may not have there already. Good times. Athlinks.com. Questions and answers. Got one here from Andreas and just saying, love the podcast. John talks a lot about taking cafe on the bike. How do you carry it? Do you take it racing just on the bike or on the run as well? Uh, so I use Nodos caffeine, um, which is just a caffeine tablet, and it's very it's easy to carry because it's in a foil sort of uh, sealed packet, a bit like when you get any um, any drugs or what have you. So I just. Uh, Rip a, rip a couple of tabs off and, and always carry more than I need. So And I will be taking it on the bike and the run. So, for example, in Rote, I'll be taking one tablet, which is 100 milligrams. I'll take that at around about the sort of halfway mark or so and then probably take another one at around about the 140K mark and then I'll take one on the, the run as well. So I'll be having 300 milligrams as well. Other people, you know, you can quite easily do this um, through gels as well, you know, a number of the gels now have pumped up the caffeine so some of them do have 100 milligrams of caffeine in them others have quite a bit less uh, so i prefer to go for milligram doses rather than lots of smaller doses of sort of 20 to 40 milligrams just works for me so that's how i do it just carry it in the little foil sachets but i will carry um you know probably on the bike i'll only be taking in two but i'll probably carry um split them up into two lots of two just in case you might drop them or whatever and what is Nodos, John, if people don't know what Nodos is? It's just a straight-up caffeine tablet, 100 milligrams of Nodos, 100, 100 milligrams of caffeine in a, in a tablet format. And in New Zealand, or no, at least in New Zealand, probably other countries as well, but it's kind of sold as a, a pick-me-up Nodos. So you, mm. you know, you, obviously, Nodos means don't go to sleep dozing, um, if you don't know what that means, so you can check them out. So you might have a form of that kind of product in your country. Yeah, there's no no electrolytes or anything like that. It is literally 100 milligrams of caffeine in a tablet, and that's it. Do you ever take it just in life? 
pretty rare, very, very rarely. Uh, and you, you do have to be very careful at what t- time of the day you take it. I, I took one, I was doing a simulation, I was doing some hard session last week and it was an afternoon session and I, you know, I was feeling a bit crap so I took one, paid for that, didn't get to sleep till uh, quite late that night. Nothing worse, eh, when they're all caffeine high when you're in bed and there's nothing you can do to get your sleep. It's horrible when you're in that place. It's usually got some positive spin that you can, you know. What, do you get up and do work? <laughs> or do you, yeah. do you work something, do you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, patrons, John. Nicholas Hitch Pocock and Joel Sensei Bell. Nice. We've got uh, Ross Give a Little. Uh, Ross Give a Lot Little. Yeah. Vincent, the member Francois. We've got the squeeze, Jonathan Huddleston. Huddleston, Jonathan Huddleston, the squeeze. And that's it. Fantastic. If you want to be a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me. It's all pretty obvious on the website. Um, and yeah, it just really supports us and what we do. It really supports us. God, our patrons are so important to the show. So thank you to the patrons. And if you're not a patron and you want to support us, just jump on www.imtalk.me and there's a little kind of gift for level of patronage. And also you go into the draw to go to Kona next year. And I reckon Kona next year might be one of the greatest Konas. So you want to be in the draw for that one because we're probably not going to see Brownlee and uh, Gomez there this year. But we'll probably guaranteed Gomez here next year, and maybe, maybe John would see Brownlee. So you enter the draw. That'll be fun times. Yeah. Uh, Jumbo sponsors. Athlings.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our patrons. If you want, just legends, really. There's no denying it. Jumbo, what's your goss? What is my goss? It's uh, it's cold, as you've heard. Uh, cold, but sunny. But, but it's, 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 it's freezing. It's Joe's, Joe's, like every time I've speaking to Joe in the last few days, all she's talked about is how cold it is. It's just that change of season. You're just not used to it. And yeah. that's why it's like we're, we're, it's freezing in the mornings. You know, like this morning was a negative two, negative three frost. So it's, it's cold, but uh, it's going to get colder. But it's just not being used to it. And um, yeah, it's just a bit uncomfortable. Other than that, Bevan, what's been happening? Went out for dinner on uh, Friday Ooh, night. Went to Ma- Madam, oh, what is it called? Mad- it's that Madam, what did you say? Sorry? No, no I said Madam Tussauds. Uh, no, no, no. I've never Madam Wu. Madam Wu. Good. It's, uh, it's a new one in Christchurch. It's part of a chain by one of our master chef type people. And you get this menu and it's a bit, I don't want to say it's complicated, you know, no menu's complicated, but it's just like, oh shit, where do you start with this? Yeah. And then they had they had the sort of fifty-five dollars um banquet feed. There was there was myself, uh, my sister in law and her husband, and then uh, the in laws, there were six of us. We just I'll oh, we'll just do the easy option and, and get that. And uh, my God, there was so much food, it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it's nice. one of those things where you get your you get your nibbles come out just for starters and that's all good. And then the next bit was all these sort of amazing salads and what have you and you're thinking that's it and you're going sweet yeah i'm, I'm feeling just right and then they brought out all these curries afterwards and, oh shit i've got to take a hit for the team here i'm not leaving any food on the table and i had to work it because some of them weren't huge eaters and so i was i was working it and uh it was yeah i was pretty smoked by the end it's one of my 
difficulties. I just can't say no to good food in front of me. That's what I love about you. you know, this week, John, you've taken the hit team twice. Once, literally, and then with the food as well. You got, it's got to be done. Can't waste good food. You know, like, you just, you know. Tell you what, that's what I was saying last night, because when you go overseas, travelling, one of the best things about travelling is food, isn't it? Mm. Great food. Great oh. food. And the food over here is golden. And they always take us to nice places and you're not paying. So we went to this Chinese restaurant last night and oh my God, it was unbelievable. And it just kept bringing out. It's funny, when I was younger, I was one of those people who wasn't that open-minded with food. I kind of would just stick to my safe food. And in the last period of time, I've really tried to open up my um, approach to just give everything a try. And it's such a foolish way to live, not being open-minded because I'm discovering so many foods I would have never even tried. And geez, they pulled out probably 10 different dishes last night, and all of them were absolutely beautiful. Oh, John, it's a hard life. It's a hard life. Luckily, luckily we're fit, because if we weren't fit, we'd be fat buggers, I tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> no denying it. Any other goss? What's up this week? Oh, so you're off on Thursday, are you? Off on Thursday. So looking forward to that, heading over to Kona. So next week's show and the week after, we're doing a little bit of Kona coverage. So we'll be uh, hitting the training from... I think we start training on Friday, Friday or Saturday, and we have a week-long training and then race to 70.3 on a week Saturday. So really looking forward to that. Feeling pretty pretty good about where I'm at with my training. Feeling reasonably confident that I can put in a good, strong showing over there. Come you, back. You, you are doing the race. Back in the, doing the race, for sure. First time experiencing the rolling start, which I wouldn't sound particularly happy about. Um, but I'll yeah roll with the punches. But it'll be interesting to see how it pans out and see who who turns up. And that's one of the things when you travel to races like this. I've got no idea who my competitors are. There might be ten guys that are awesome, or there might be nobody this year that turns up that's any any good. So uh, we'll just sort of roll the dice and and see what happens. But I'm feeling like I'm in the similar shape to where I've been the last two times I've raced over there and had really good strong days. So I'm feeling uh, feeling good. Do you um. Great race would I oh know you don't think placing you think you know how you're going to race the race but a great race would be what kind of result? Well, based off previous years, I would have thought um, that a top five is not unrealistic, and who knows if, if nobody turns up, you know, see what happens. But it just it will totally depend on who who rocks up. But previously, I think I finished seventh or something. Or fifth or seventh or fifth or something like that one year, and the other year there was pros there, and I think I finished maybe fifth age grouper or something like that. So, uh, yeah, just get the feeling that there might might not be as many good age groupers over there this year, but I might be completely wrong. So we'll uh, we'll turn up and see. But I think in terms of my performance, I should should be able to hopefully match what I've done previously over there. So looking forward to getting another race in. Well, that's the thing now. You kind of you're in it now, really, aren't you? You know, from here on in. Mm. You know, absolutely. Game on. Game on, Bevan. What's happening with you? You coming home tonight? Yeah, I'm looking forward cuddles to Cuddles with home. Joe when you get in? Yep, cuddles with Joe. Yep, lots of cuddles. Um, it's a fun trip. You know, I've, I haven't been to Taiwan for a couple of years, and so you come over here and they just love what we do. Like, seriously. I was teaching a class the other day, and there's one guy in the class. Like, you, you get loud people, you know, and, and actually, as a fitness instructor in, in this environment that I do, I work in, you actually want your loud people because it helps create atmosphere. So you kind of work with your loud people. Where this guy, honestly, I think he was mentally ill, John. <laughs> he was screaming like he wouldn't. He wasn't just going like woo. He was like screaming for like thirty seconds nonstop, like he was being murdered. <laughs> and it was just in the whole so screaming in terms of the effort he was putting in, or he was just excited no. to be doing the workout. 
screaming out loud, probably excited, no, more excited. It was unbelievable, John. Like, it was it was distracting, you know what I mean? I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm working with this girl called Susan Tolley, who's just a, a really good friend of mine, and she's just real funny, but she also just loves giving people shit. <laughs> she's teaching, and she goes, and just stops what she's doing. Everyone's moving. She goes, what, what, what are you? <laughs> like in front of everybody. <laughs> just gives them shit. It was pretty funny. So, uh, but they're, they're just absolutely, they're so passionate about over here. Like Kiwis, Kiwis, you can, you know, as part of your job is to get, get you know people to express and so in New Zealand you do it and you kind of know the tricks of the trade but here if anything you've got to control them from not expressing too much because it can be a bit too distracting but at the same time it's pretty crazy like we talked discussed yesterday and just yeah it was pretty 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 special stuff so it was pretty cool but I'm definitely looking forward to getting home because two weeks we're heading to Europe and it's um I'm looking forward to the honeymoon to be honest it's got, I'm really looking forward to it and two weeks is nothing so um, come home basically I'm going to be working like a nut bar for two weeks and then putting my hat down and going to go and go and explore a bit of Europe, John. Meet us all in route. That's, that's, the, that's the end point. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.